From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told and you are among friends. Michael Tellinger, author of Slave Species of the Gods, Scientist, Explorer. He has become a real-life Indiana Jones, making uh, groundbreaking discoveries about advanced, vanished civilizations at the southern tip of uh, Africa. We are expecting him to join us live from South Africa. Uh, He is to be here in Hour 1, and um, we'll be here to talk primarily about the Ubuntu movement, the Ubuntu contributionism, uh, the blueprint for human prosperity. Uh, coming up in hour two, paranormal investigator David Spinks will be here. David is a featured speaker at the HillCon 2018 Paranormal Conference, which will be happening down in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, September the 22nd. And David recently, this is interesting, he recently purchased a very haunted location. It's called Willow's Weep in, uh, it's a small town, I think, uh, Danville, Indiana. And I was on YouTube not too long ago. Um, a number of investigations have happened at Willow's Weep. And in one of them, uh, you see the investigators, and I don't know whether David was involved in this investigation, but there is a wheelchair. They wheel this wheelchair into the uh, the, the, the video frame, and uh, they leave it there, and the, the camera is focused on it for a number of moments, and then... The wheelchair starts to move on its own. This happened in Willow's Weep, and uh, as I say, David purchased this property so that he could further his paranormal research. Uh, I guess very similar to Robert Bigelow purchasing Skinwalker's Ranch in order to uh, further his paranormal research. Anyway, David will be here in the, uh, the second hour. All right, uh, let me introduce the boys in the band. On the Flying V Gibson guitar, our technical producer, Ian Robertson. Ian, again, let me remind people that his album, his brand new album, is now out by the Grease Marks. It's a self-titled album. Ian, where can people purchase that? Greasemarks.com. And how would you describe the music of the Grease Marks? Uh, nasty rockabilly. Nasty rockabilly? <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. If you would imagine early Elvis on Sun Records. Oh, that's not nasty. Okay, our version's nasty. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, is it now? Yeah. All right. <laughs> the Grease Marks. Yes, help send Ian to college and uh, <laughs> purchase um, purchase a copy of the new album. It's available on CD, but soon to be pressed into vinyl. Hopefully, fingers crossed. All right, good. We're looking forward to that. And on the Rickenbacker bass guitar and occasionally the theremin, story producer Albert Vinzel. And on the Hammond B3, the live stream producer, Ryan White. And we are streaming live on YouTube. You know, we're in summer mode. Sometimes we're here, you know, streaming live, and other times we're not. Even if we're not live streaming on YouTube, the audio from the program will be posted on the YouTube channel, the Conspiracy Show YouTube channel, within days. A couple of programming notes. Next week... Dr. Paul Williams will be here. He's the co-author of The Killing of Uncle Sam. And we'll delve into the deep state and, more precisely, I guess, the secret society that has led to the demise of the United States of America. I'll give you a hint. 
Cecil Rhodes. That's all I'm saying. Cecil Rhodes. All right. Do we have Michael Tellinger? No, we don't. However, we'll keep trying to reach Michael. Now, in the interim, why don't we do this? Ian, unleash the phone lines. It's been a while since we've done open lines. You can ask me anything. Now, don't ask me for a veal recipe, keeping in mind this is the conspiracy show after all. If you have a, uh, a question regarding a past guest, if you have a suggestion for a future guest, if you'd like to ask uh, my take on a particular, uh, I don't know, recent geopolitical event, if you have one to offer up on your own, would love to hear from you. Also, we can uh, throw it open to paranormal uh, stories. If you have had an encounter with a paranormal, with the paranormal, uh, a UFO sighting, uh, etc. While we are waiting for Michael Tellinger to join us live from South Africa, so why don't I give you the phone numbers? In the Greater Toronto Area, four one six three six zero zero seven forty. I can't remember the last time we did open lines. Can you, Albert? It's been a while. Four one six three six zero. 0740 and toll free from out of town 18667404740 18667404740 and again in the greater toronto area 416 0740, or as we should say, 0740, 360-0740. Coming to you from our flagship station here at Zuma Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM. All right, let's kick things off with Glenn. Glenn, good, good evening. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hi, not too bad. Uh, is Paul Hillier still with us? As far as I know... You ever uh, had him on the show? I've had Paul on... The, the, the Honorable Paul Hellier has been on this program, I would say, probably three, four, maybe five times. But it's been a while, keeping in mind, I think Mr. Hellier is almost... I think he's around 95 now. And uh, I also believe that he's very busy working on his memoirs. So he's kind oh. of focusing his his energy and his time on that. What, did you have a specific issue you'd like to raise with Mr. Hellier? Oh, no, I just know that he's uh, uh, very interesting, uh, both in his uh, his understanding of uh, possible extraterrestrial life uh, visiting Canada, mm. and also uh, his views on sort of government issues and stuff like that. Right. Well, yeah, he had kind of a... Um um, how would you how would you describe it? I guess his own personal disclosure in I think it was 2005, and our good friend Victor Vigiani was very instrumental in convincing um, the Honorable Mr. Hellier to to uh, announce to come public to go public uh, with his belief that that the Earth has been visited by extraterrestrial civilizations. Can you just hang on a second? I think my uh, cordless phone's dying. It's you're very Quiet. I can hardly hear you at all. All right, might just be your hang on. I'll grab another one. It's all right. Well, while you're doing that, I'll just talk to the folks. But um, oh. yeah, Paul Hellyer, he his his coming to Jesus moment, if I can use that expression. Someone 
gave him a copy of uh, Philip Corso's book, uh, The Day After Roswell. And he took, he read that book while he was up at his cottage. And then he had obviously made contacts over the years as defense minister and, and deputy prime minister with uh, military people in the United States. And uh, he happened to be speaking with one who he's never identified as far as I can tell. And he asked this particular high-ranking military officer whether everything, whether what Corso was writing about in the day after Roswell was true. And this individual said, yes, everything and more. Uh, so this really ignited the Honorable Paul Hellyer's interest in UFOs and ETs. Uh, now, he has, he has had his own UFO sighting. I believe he's mentioned it um, on this program. Uh, during a trip to Montreal, he may have had more than one. Uh, but while he was defense minister, while he was defense minister, he had no knowledge uh, of uh, extraterrestrials or, um, or or little interest, quite frankly. Of course, the other interesting area that that um, Paul Hellyer has has spoken about is the Bank of Canada and the Bank of Canada Act. And I believe he was part of this. Um, uh, it's not a class action lawsuit, but it was it was a it was a a um, Litigation before the, the, I think it went to the Supreme Court of Canada. And, uh, Rocco Galati, the attorney here in Toronto, was, uh, was representing this particular group that were, that were, uh, charging conspiracy. That the, the federal government, the Queen of England, you name it, were involved in this conspiracy, ignoring the Bank of Canada Act, which would allow the various levels of government to borrow money from the Bank of Canada, which was nationalized back in the 1930s by Prime Minister King. They could borrow money for very little interest. And uh, that all changed under Pierre Trudeau in the 1970s. Uh, and then, of course, they started borrowing from international lenders. Anyway, that's an, an, a whole other kettle of fish with uh, Paul Hellyer. But he is a multifaceted, fascinating individual. Uh, we hope he is well. And um, I, again, my understanding is he's working on his memoirs. All right, we'll continue to try and raise uh, Michael Tellinger from South Africa. In the meantime, open lines here on The Conspiracy Show. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey, welcome back. Paranormal researcher David Spinks joins us in the second hour. I want to talk to him about Willow Weeps, this house that he purchased down in Danville, Indiana. I have seen some startling videos on YouTube. Uh, he purchased it because, uh, well, it's a very haunted location and he wanted to further his paranormal research. So, I don't know if he lives there or not, but my gosh, I've seen some pretty scary things. Right now, it's open lines. We were expecting to be joined by Michael Tellinger, the author of Slave Species... But he's also, of course, perhaps even more famous now as the, the founder of the Ubuntu movement. But we are um, not able to raise him, so we will soldier on in his absence and delighted for the opportunity to speak with you. And it's been a while since we've done open lines. Uh, let's uh, say hi to Alan in Alaska. Hello, Alan. Hello, Richard. Uh, first of all, I want to compliment you and your team on a great show. Shows us in the plural. Yes, my, I do have a great team. Uh, Albert, a terrific story producer, and Ian, my technical producer, and, uh, and Ryan, who does a, a stellar job running our live YouTube stream. How are you listening or watching us? 
Well, I was trying to uh, watch on YouTube. It didn't seem to be working, so I went straight to the uh, to the website. To the uh, all right. So you're streaming the website, right? Okay. Well, we're glad to have you. What I'd like to ask you is, I'm just curious. Uh, what is your take on uh, so many uh, people that are not uh, Americans are so interested in our geopolitics, especially since President Trump has become president? Why are we interested in President Trump? Yes. Well, the President of the United States is, is ostensibly the most powerful man on the earth. I mean, I would say that we have been we have we have been deeply interested in most of the presidents, if not all of them. Um, I mean, you know, President Obama certainly was uh, a topic of conversation up here in Canada. Uh, you know, Bill Clinton. You name it. Um, but certainly, Donald Trump holds a certain fascination because, uh, for my mind, I can only speak for myself, he is, love him or hate him, he is a disruptor. And I'm very, I'm fascinated by disruptors. There are only two types of politicians, as far as I can tell. And one of them is a disruptor. The other one is an individual who simply manages the decline. And... We've seen those. Uh, they um, they don't do a whole lot. They they talk a whole lot. They have a lot of lofty rhetoric that they offer up, but nothing really changes much. Uh, in fact, usually things sort of just kind of slowly slide, you know, into the abyss. Um, and I I like disruptors because. You know, things need to change. We need fundamental change. We don't need someone to uh, just kind of rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic. And uh, what we have in Trump, warts and all, is a major, major disruptor. And he is a he is challenging uh, the, the, the present order. And that's it's in many respects it's like shoveling sand against the tide. It's it's one might say it's it's almost futile, but at least at least he's trying. Uh, and yes, he's, you know, he's made major mistakes. A lot of what comes out of his mouth is, is very objectionable. A lot of what he, you know, on his, his Twitter machine <laughs> is, uh, is concerning to me. But the general thrust of what he wants to do, he is challenging the elites. And if you look at who's aligned against him, that, t- that to me speaks volumes. If you want to know what someone is about and who they are, you look at the people that are lining up against him. And I look at the the elites of both political parties. I look at the mainstream media, um, and um, I look at what I would consider the forces of globalism are lined up against this president. And if if they're against him, then I have to be for him. That's how I feel in a nutshell. I can't speak for anyone else. Well, I think you spoke for me as well, Richard. That summed up for me as well. That's why you're the host, I suppose. Anyway, a great show, and uh, could you put the grease marks on sometime for bumper music? That's it. Can we do that? Do you have? Why don't we do that? Okay, yeah. when we come back, to hear him. let's do that. Thank you. Great suggestion. When right. we come great back, show, Ian thanks. will Ian, Ian will cue up a uh, a uh, a song from the grease marks. Thank you, Alan in Alaska. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, who else do we have? We have. Uh, is it Augie? Or is it Augie? Yes, it is. Hi, Augie. Welcome. How are you, Richard? I'm well. How are you? I just want to say your show is fantastic. Number one, I a thousand percent agree with you on President Trump. 
But that wasn't the reason for my call. Okay. Uh, some years ago, you had a guest, and his name was Philip Marshall. Yes. Who wrote a book called The Big Bamboozle. Yes. Concerning the, uh, the 9-11 uh, debacle. Yes. And from what I understand, some months after he was, he was interviewed, he was found shot to death in his apartment with uh, two of his, of his sons. He had two teenage children, and the allegation is that he shot them in their, while they slept and then turned the gun on himself. Okay. Um, that was up in, uh, I, I believe it was up in Santa Barbara, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. It, well, I mean, that was the story that was uh, given, I believe, correct? That's the story. Now, now I, I, I met Philip. I was, I was hoping that you would have some sort of a follow-up show. On, on that, I, I mean, I don't know who you would interview uh, at this point, but is there any way uh, something could be... Uh... I'll look into it. I'm sure someone is... It seems to me in, in the... Maybe within the year, someone uh, was, was investigating it, uh, kind of a citizen's journalist, but right. and I can't remember whether we did anything at the time. But just my background with with Philip is is this. I um, I believe it was season three of the TV show, the conspiracy show. Right. I traveled to Santa Monica and had uh, uh, found out about his book, The Big Bang Boozle, and he was a former United Airlines pilot. Right. And uh, was representing other um, United Airlines pilots and was trying to get to the bottom of this. Wrote this book, The Big Bamboozle, which relied heavily on the first the first um, um, congressional investigation into 9-11, not the one we hear about and read about, which right. went nowhere. The one that, uh, you know, I, I believe President Bush funded, well, he spent more on his re-election barbecue, this is the joke, <laughs> than he did on this investigation. Right. But, but the first one, uh, which was chaired by a, a Republican senator from Florida whose name escapes me, maybe Ryan will know, and um, that one... They tried to subpoena a lot of uh, FBI field agents. They were stonewalled at every turn. Yes. And uh, and and um, he wrote a book called Security Matters. This particular uh, senator, and uh, uh, his investigation was showing all sorts of connections to the Saudis. Right. And uh, so 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 Phil Marshall wrote this book about it, The Big Bamboozle. It was and an eye-opener, that book. It was. I, it was a fascinating book. And I met him. At, we had, we, we, I interviewed him at the Santa Monica Pier. And what can I tell about a man, you know, in, in one meeting? Not a whole lot. I, all I can say, he's, he just seemed incredibly rational and, yes. and lucid and normal. But what does that mean? I mean, I really can't say anything beyond that, except that we, I had him on the radio show after that a couple of times. Right. And we we corresponded by email a number of times, and I um, I would say about two months before he died, there was kind of a fast flurry of emails. He was wondering when the episode was going to air, uh, and it never did actually. We were working on a um, a nine eleven inside job uh, episode, and it never aired. And um, so Phil emailed me, "When is it going to air?" I don't know, Phil. I don't know. And then. Two months later, approximately, someone sent me an email with an attachment from the front page of the Santa Barbara newspaper. Right. I opened it and it said, "Conspiracy 9/11 conspiracy theorist uh, 
Um, Found it. Yeah, double homicide and then turned the gun on himself. Okay. Now, I mean, you and I both know that this could just simply be a cover story. I mean, from the JFK assassination, we know of all of the of the incidental and and coincidental kinds of deaths that occurred. So I, I don't know. I don't know if you believe that. I'm, I don't dismiss it entirely. Here's no, here's the okay. now here's an interesting little sidebar before I get into the actual details of his death. So maybe it's maybe it's this morbid side of me, but whenever someone I know dies, I immediate and if I've had contact with them, I immediately go into my email to see what was our last correspondence, what were we talking about, right? And um, I went and I did a search, and I here's something you need to know: I don't delete emails. Okay. I'm really bad. Uh, I don't clear them out because this is how I store contact information. It's a horrible thing to do. It's the most, you know, it's not the way you should do it, but it's the way I do it. I don't delete because there might be a phone number buried in there. I searched up Phil, Phil Marshall. Nothing. 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 On. Every email that I had from Phil, every email that I sent to him was gone. And I that don't, is bizarre. I don't know how to explain that. That's number one. Number two, um, as I say, he just seemed like an incredibly normal for him to, to to kill his two children and then turn the gun on himself. It doesn't. I, I, listen, as you say, we don't know what the inner workings of someone's mind no. at the time, etc. But it just does not seem. I don't know. It doesn't seem plausible. He was going through a divorce. Okay. My understanding is, um, according to the newspaper reports, it was it was uh, not amicable and. Um, so they held that out as a motive. According to others, it was amicable. He never talked about that with me. I've also heard reports that they found the gun in one hand, but he was if they found it in his left hand, he was right-handed, or they found it in his right hand and he was supposedly left-handed. Left -handed. Right. Someone else reported seeing a vehicle parked out front of his house. Uh, he had apparently he had some conversation with somebody. He went out and he tried to confront these people that seemed to be hanging out in front of his house. I'm hearing all of these reports. I have no... No right. corroboration on any of them, but that's right. that's where it was left, and that was a number of years ago. I just wondered about it, uh, Richard, because I I figured maybe somehow, some way, you'd have a follow up on it. But I know that would be a difficult task. Not necessarily. Maybe I'll get Albert to look into that, and let's okay. see if someone has delved into this. Someone credible, right? Who has looked into Philip Marshall's death, and, and let's and see I, if there's anything else. I just want to add one last thing, and I'll let you, I'll let you go, Richard, and, and that. Uh, I'm hoping that you get back James D. Eugenio, yes. because I, he has really, uh, I read everything he's ever written, and he is, I think, right on, on, on target with the JFK thing. Jim's a, a great guy, and he, he comes up with stuff that nobody else does. I mean, right. He, yeah, right. when these when all of these documents get dumped, he goes through them with a fine-tooth comb. And that's a tough task. Yeah, no, Jim's a great guy. Oh, rest assured, Jim will be back on the program. Okay. All right. Thank, Thank you, Thank you so much, Richard. Where are you calling from? Uh, New York. I thought I recognized that New York accent. <laughs> My favorite city. Thanks, Augie. All right. Take care, buddy. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, William is in Toronto. William, good evening. Welcome to The Conspiracy Hello, Show. Hello, Richard. Hi. I have a Toronto accent. You may or may not <laughs> recognize it. Do we have a Toronto accent? Yes, we do. Just listen to what I have to say, and you can figure it out. All right. <laughs> I wanted to talk about... Um, Paul uh, Hellyer uh, and his book uh, The Money Mafia and expand on what you said yes. uh, earlier 
Now, uh, Mr. Hellyer not only wrote the, the book and gave you the inside information, but he, very important, he provided a solution that uh, uh, would uh, um, uh, resolve the problem and uh, let people, uh, let the Bank of Canada um, borrow money for next to nothing or pay it back in a long period of time, uh, just like before the G7. And uh, this... Uh, should be taken into consideration. It's in his book, and he knows these things. Uh, if it, he's an expert on it, so people should listen to him. He's got the solution right there in his book, and it has it should be implemented because we cannot uh, go like this anymore because everyone's going to go um, uh, bankrupt, and we're going to go into a serious, serious depre- uh, recession here. Well, I would, yeah, I would like to see someone hold the the the. Um, listen, I'm, I, you know, I'm a, I, I support the Conservative Party, uh, but I'm a little disappointed in in that they they don't hold the Prime Minister's feet to the fire, the Finance Minister's feet to the fire. Why don't they bring this up in the House? Unless they're all unless they're all in on it, but why are they ignoring the Bank of Canada Act? It's not a, someone confronted the Prime Minister uh, and he said, "Oh, I don't engage in conspiracy theories." There's nothing. There's no conspiracy theory here. We have a, cons- a Bank of Canada Act. We have the Bank of Canada. It was nationalized. Yeah, but but you can't use it because you're in the G7. If you opt out of the G7, then you can use the Bank of Canada Act again. That was the agreement. Is that right? Yeah, mm. that, that's why I, I read his book, and I, I think that's uh, what I interpret from it. Right. Uh, and uh, that's why you can't. You, we need to get out of the G7, and we also uh, need to get rid of uh, Section 33 in our Constitution, where the court can say, uh, "Well, we've heard everything, but we don't like it. Too bad, go away." That's what they did with. Uh, um, uh, the court case against the, the Bank of Canada. Uh, right. I believe the ruling there was that uh, that uh, Rocco Galati, who took the case before the, the court, was told he had no standing. Well, yeah, well, they just made that up out of thin air, uh, as they usually do. So uh, th- that's another way of saying, yeah, we, we've heard everything that you said. Everything that you said is, ex- is very true. Mr. Galati is an excellent lawyer. Uh, I know him personally. He's, he's good. And... Um, and uh, he, he puts forth good, uh, put forth a good case. Right. I, I wasn't aware, though. Another I was... way of saying, mm-hmm. as an implementing Section 33, uh, that we don't, uh, we uh, it's not suitable for us to uh, rule on it. Although you presented a truthful case. Right. I wasn't aware that that was one of the. Uh, that's part of the G7 agreement that we we. If uh, we want... I'm sure it says uh, in, in his book. Uh, I got it from somewhere. It must All have right. been from Paul's book. Sure. And, uh, That's good to know. For, for the nice people and uh, our nice neighbors to uh, to the south of the 49th, uh, Mr. Trump has to get rid of uh, uh, the War Measures Act that took place on March 9, 1933. Once he gets rid of that and closes it all up, the Federal Reserve Bank will go away, and, and you won't have to deal with them. And the Americans, uh, our American neighbors, can start printing their own money as the Constitution, as their Constitution, Constitution says. William, we got to go to a break, but thank you for okay. checking in. Appreciate thank the call. Thank you for listening, Richard, and uh, we'll call back later. All right, we'll do. Ah, uh, well, the last two presidents that challenged the supremacy of a central bank of America charter were shot in the head in public. So, maybe not such a great thing 
uh, to challenge that if you value your life. All right, we'll uh, come back more uh, open line here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Self. The Grease Marks from our very own Ian Robertson. Now, Ian, you're playing lead guitar? Uh, I'm drums on this one. You're drums? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They need that backbeat. Nicely done. <laughs> yes, Sam Phillips would be proud. Let's hear a little bit more. Ian Robertson and uh, playing drums on this track, uh, his band, The Grease Marks. And uh, is that the is that the debut in, on on radio? Yeah, the song? that's it. Wow. Come on, done. Come on, done. And yeah. who wrote that? Uh, the name escapes me. Is it a member of the band, or is it's it not, is a cover it's version? It's, it's a, cover. It's, it's not necessarily a cover. It was written for us. Oh, it was written for you. All yeah. right. Yes, yeah. it does have that very much that that Sun Records feel, yeah. um, you know, that wild to energy. Late 50s. Absolutely. Well done. Love it. Love Thank it. Thank you. The grease marks, folks. All right. Let's say hi to Ed in London. Ed, good good evening. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Yes, hello. Uh, I'm uh, very upset about the Phil Marshall killing myself, and I've uh, got a few more background facts I'd like to put in. Oh, all right. Okay, he was uh, a CIA contract pilot for Barry Seal. I believe that came up in his book, yes. The former uh, drug runner at the CIA. Yes. That, he, he was killed yeah. also, and they just made a movie about him. That's right. He did so, mention that in his book, so Big Bamboozle. Somebody movie uh, might be a guest. The other information was that uh, his son, Alex, his daughter, Michaela, and his dog were all killed. That's right. Yes. Shooting. Yes. And he lived up in Calaveras County. Uh, in the hilly area, we could write his books quietly. Is that, yeah, I think the newspaper article was in a, in, a, in a Santa Barbara paper, if I remember correctly. Is Santa Barbara in that area? If you go on the Internet, in his autopsy report, they said he was bipolar. <laughs> so that would explain his insanity of shooting his own kids. Well, it's possible. Um, as I say, I mean, I, I guess I met with him maybe for about two hours in Santa Monica, and uh, I certainly had no inkling of that, but that means nothing. That means nothing. All right, Ed, thank you so much. Uh, Etsko, is it Etsko? Hello. Hi, Etsko. Well, that's an interesting name. Oh, thank you. Yes, it's Japanese. Oh, it's a beautiful name. Etsko, what does it mean in Japanese? Oh, I can't tell you at the moment, but right. I do. Uh, I have to go very soon. Okay. But uh, I do have a, a quick question, and or two questions, and if you could, uh, I'll take your answer off the air. Okay. All right. I recall uh, hearing a radio commercial of yours for your show where there's a female guest, and she was, I think she uh, was talking about how the one world government is trying to get us to, uh, for example, abandon um, country or rural side living, and they're trying to have us move to, of course, the cities and live in 
tall condos and apartments and so forth. Yes. And and I, I don't recall her name, and she was saying that we should uh, talk to all of our city councillors, but what would she uh, propose for us to do when cities everywhere in the world are short of housing? And I'll take your answer off the air. All right. The uh, If I'm thank remembering... You. I, thank you, Etsko. Very nice to meet you. Hope you'll call again. That was um, that was Rosa, and I'm trying to pr- remember the pronunciation of her last name, but it was uh, uh, Coir, K-O-I-R-E. Rosa, K-O-I-R-E. And she wrote a book called uh, Agenda 21... UN Agenda 21, Behind the Green Mask. And the UN Agenda 21 is supposedly this um, rather nefarious plan by the United Nations, as as, uh, Etsko indicated, to herd everyone into cities. They call it, and it, it goes by a bunch of different names, smart living, smart housing, smart transit. And it is it was supposedly a, a volunteer uh, or a, an agreement that was uh, is based on volunteerism, but um, all of the major cities throughout North America seem to be signing on to this. And you'll hear things like, again, um, a terminology like uh, sustainable development. And these are all code words, according to Rosa, which which means that uh, again they are they are trying to. Uh, take away personal property. They don't want us. I mean, look around. What's happening, right? Um, in this city, the uh, the city planners they hate the automobile. That should be pretty obvious to anybody. Try driving down King Street recently. Uh, they just they want us out of our automobiles. They hate the automobile. Uh, they hate suburbs. They hate the idea of you having a um, you know a nice little uh, or an, a nice sized backyard, a double garage. Um, they want us, think of the movie Soylent Green, basically, this dystopian view of the future, and that is what Rosa, uh, sees as our future in UN Agenda 21, and it's a blueprint for the 21st century. So, uh, as to, uh, what is the solution? Um, what, do, what does, what, what does Rosa propose? How do we fight this? Well, first, the first thing is we have to become aware and we have to let our city councillors know that we know what they're up to and um, the powers of the ballot box, I guess. If they come around to your door this October, hold their feet to the fire. Ask them about smart development, sustainable development and smart living and smart housing and, and um, let them know that you know what they're up to. That's the first step. Where we go from there, well, that's anybody's guess. But first, we have to hold their feet to the fire. Thanks for your call. We'll get back to more of your calls here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. To see the light. Call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Hey, welcome back. Uh, next week on the program, Dr. Paul Williams, the co-author of The Killing of Uncle Sam, The Demise of the United States of America, and we'll delve into the deep state and the new world order and 
the secret society that really is at the root, he says, of America's ills. And uh, uh, that would be the round table, the secret round table started by Cecil Rhodes. All right, uh, we are enjoying our open line segment, a very rare treat. Uh, we were to speak with Michael Tellinger about the Ubuntu movement, but um, Michael is in South Africa and um, was to join us by Skype. Who knows? Maybe we got our wires crossed, the time zone difference, and so forth. However, we are uh, taking an opportunity to do open lines, which is rare, but um, it's always great to hear from you. Peter is in Buffalo. Peter, good evening. Welcome to The Conspiracy Hi, Richard. Hi. Great show you have. Thank uh, you. I guess you don't need... Uh Especially another comment since everyone is... Uh, it's always nice to hear. I don't get tired of it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, the reason why I called uh, a couple things, uh, I'd sure like to mention our great food co-op here in Buffalo, New York. Give them a plug. A food uh, co-op. How does that work? We really need it. It's called Lexington Food Co-op, two locations. How does that work? You know, well, you don't have to be a member to shop there. Uh, just walk in and stock up on all sorts of organic foods. Uh, there's also non-organic foods. I think it's 60% is organic uh, that's sold there. A lot of local stuff, of course. Um, but, um, yeah, I always um, mention that to people I talk to. Uh, and another thing that I'd also like to mention uh, that I think I mentioned to you before, a great book from 1963 called The Ultimate Frontier. Uh, but I should warn you and everybody who's listening, if you ever check it out, it is very, very controversial. Um, it's uh, on the topic of religion and philosophy at the library. So you know how that stuff can be. It can be really good or really terrible. Right, right. And um, what would what would the what is the main premise of uh, the what is the premise? Uh, well, I guess uh, if you can get by all the uh, what I call technical knowledge and predictions, out now predictions. Um, I guess it's kind of like um, just what a lot of great people, philosophers, have told us uh, over the years. People like um, you know Lincoln, Emerson, Confucius. Um, you know, kind of the same ideas. Uh, but, you know, I was wondering, uh, you were talking about um, Philip Marshall and all that stuff. Uh, so how come you never aired the 9-11 um, show you were going to do? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I, I just I don't think we, we – we would produce a batch of shows, and then the the, uh, the broadcaster would sort of, you know, choose the ones that they wanted to air. And, I mean, it, we had previously aired 9-11 shows, so I don't think it was anything to do with, you know, them being afraid of the topic or anything. Um, in fact, it was you know Vision TV, and uh, we had we had uh, in season one I think we did a, a, a an episode on 9/11 on controlled demolition. So uh, it just you know we we had it we pitched it and it just didn't get picked up and and um, I'm trying to think what season that was can't remember it was either season th- i think it was season three or season maybe it was season four no matter it didn't get aired um one day maybe it'll see the light of day but that was um i believe that was philip marshall's last tv interview and uh probably one of the, the last interviews he did on radio was with me as well uh, yeah now the the, uh, the gentleman who called in earlier um called back was it Ed from London and wanted to mention that someone who is in, who has been investigating Philip Marshall's death was Wayne Madsen, who is a, uh, uh, 
will be well known to people who sort of cover or, or, or follow alternative news. Wayne has a, a pretty large online presence and imprint. Uh, Wayne covers a lot of material. So um, maybe we can look, Albert, jot that down. Maybe we can chase after Wayne Madsen. Yeah, that would certainly be interesting. Uh, so did you investigate at all? Uh, I don't know how all these things work, these computer and email things work, but did you try to investigate how all those emails got deleted? No, no, I didn't. I just I, <laughs> I just kind of smiled to myself and said, ah, here we go. This is interesting. No. Well, yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, as I say, um, that's, that doesn't happen to me anyway. I mean, I, I don't delete emails and... Um, uh, you know, I could go back. You know, I, I remember a friend of mine who passed away probably five years ago now. I could, I could do a search right now and I would probably have, uh, 25, 30 emails dating back to maybe 2012. They're all there. They should all be there. Let us hope that was only some kind of electronic fluke. But, um, well. If yeah, only. Okay. If well, only. Uh, yes. That's pretty much all I wanted to say. I don't want to hold up the line, but again, uh, you guys, all you guys there, you have a great show. I think it should be uh, picked up by a whole lot more radio stations. Uh, um, I don't know, whatever you can do to... Uh, we're working on it. It's a long, long road. I think we're at, uh, I think we have something like 38 affiliates across North America, uh, but a lot of those are small stations. God, God love them. We love all our, our, um, our affiliates, but uh, who knows? One day, maybe we'll, we'll get there. So I guess you have worked with uh, coast to coast, you know, with air contacts um, uh, to, uh, you know, it seems as though any station that would uh, broadcast that show would uh, would look into your show. Well, well. We, I'm on a, a few affiliates, a number of affiliates that also carry coast to coast. And then on those occasions where I host coast to coast, uh, I'll be heard on that affiliate doing coast and then sometimes immediately followed by this show. So yeah, well, maybe they're true, just yeah. getting sick and tired of hearing my voice. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, well, you're a great host on, on Coast to Coast, too. I Thank like to you. think that uh, in a lot of ways you've uh, uh, taken up where um, uh, his name even slips me now. John, uh, forget his name, uh, the guy from Texas. You John know B. Talking. Wells? Yeah. Right. Oh, well, that's, that's very kind of you. He, John is an excellent broadcaster. Peter, thank you so much. I appreciate your kind words. Oh, you're welcome. Take it easy now. You Bye. too. All right, let's uh, check in with the Hoosier State. Doug is in Indiana. Good evening, Doug. Yeah, Richard. Uh, I was listening to the news recently where the Hubble Space Telescope has kind of reached a limit on what it could see of what we know of the universe at two trillion galaxies. That's it? And That's all? Two trillion? Yeah, just just a mere two trillion. Mm. But who's to say that there could be a vast expanse of just nothing but outer space at the at the borderline of this known universe? And if you would cross this vast ocean of space, you'll run into another universe. And so, if you're looking at what we know as the universe, could be just one. As if you look at a galaxy, I'm trying to say this and try to sound intelligent as I can. And if you're looking at the universe from such a distance, the universes that that collect look like a giant galaxy. Now, how does that uh, grab your your intelligence level when you're looking at something like that? 
Well, it's pretty awe-inspiring and makes us feel pretty small and insignificant, if that's what you're going at. Yeah. Um, I know I I hear people say all the time that, uh, you know, if there are more planets out there than there are grains of sand on all of the, or more suns than more more suns out there, uh, then um, there are grains of sand on every beach on the Earth. How can we possibly be so arrogant as to assume that you know we're the only intelligent life here in the universe? But I, I hold fast to that. I do believe we are uh, in, in terms of the universe. Now, I'm not talking about different dimensions. That's a whole other kettle of fish. But um, uh, I, I do believe this is it. We're it. We are special. We are unique. We are living in the sweet spot of sweet spots in a very hostile um, uh, universe for the most part. And the fact that we are here uh, and thriving is, is, I mean, the odds against it are just incalculable. Incalculable. That's a hard I, word for me to say. I've got another question for yeah. you, Richard. Yes. Uh, so the expanse space is so, the possibility of extraterrestrial life is so, you know, extraordinary out there. And if we're visited, which I think we are occasioned by extraterrestrials, is it a good idea for some nation to take a fighter jet and go up and try to intercept and lock on with missiles onto somebody that's that's so advanced over the planet? Do you think that's a good idea? Well, if they if they are able to travel uh, to the Earth from distant galaxies, then they already have have um, harness the power of the sun. They probably have, you know, uh, they'd have to be hundreds of thousands of years more advanced than we are, I would think. And uh, so, for us to, you know, to, to engage them with a, an F thirty five or or an F sixteen would be akin to a, a mosquito hovering around my face when I go out to barbecue at night. It just it, inconsequential. I don't think they'd give it a second thought. I've never heard it explained so better as what you just did there. That's that's a taunt. Yeah, it's it's you know why it's like trying. It would be like us trying to communicate with an ant. You know, we go out and we you look at an ant and we don't think anything about it, right? We um, they I think they would probably look at us the same way. That's assuming that there is an intelligent extraterrestrial civilization in the known universe. But I don't think there is. I think we're it. All right. Thank you all for uh, participating in our open lines. When we come back, let's uh, talk a little paranormal, shall we? David Spinks joins us next. Stay with us. (laughs) 